This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Tzfarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. On top or ahead of it. So first, we're going to speak a little bit about the yeshiva, what it was, um, in what sense was it the first yeshiva, and so on. Was the closest Talmud to the Goyen, he spoke to the guy in Bechayev that he wanted to make yeshiva, um, did not encourage him to do so, and he founded the yeshiva in 1803, which was after the guy in Spetira. A lot of stories why, um, but he himself wrote a letter, uh, a long letter, a kol kaire, um, for <laughs> people to give money to the yeshiva, to, to come to the yeshiva, and he said basically that Lefanim, there was people sat and learned, they wanted to learn, it became very, very um, dissolute, people stopped learning, and so on. And now he says there's a door, there's a tzimon for Torah, and there's missing place, and so on and so forth. And therefore he calls on people to help both to come teach, which is very strange what he meant with that, and to give money. Um, Somebody actually took him off on the offer to come teach another Rav, and Reb Chaim told him, I'd be very happy to give you an entire yeshiva, but Shutfis is not a good idea for yeshiva. Very interesting. I, I, I don't know exactly what he meant. People should come help and be, and be malamed. But basically, it was a revolution for a few reasons. First of all, like we spoke last time, yeshivas used to be local. And this was meant to be for everybody, for people to come from wide and far. Two, um, yeshivas until this time was sent around a person. The person was nifty, yeshiva went. He himself um, was, um, he himself made an institution that sh- should survive him. Third, um, yeshivas usually was supported locally. The point of yeshiva was that the local community would support the Bahrim. He went and started collecting from round and, and about from people all over. Those were three big changes. The Sidra Yeshiva were extremely different than our Sidra Yeshiva. I mean, people who talk about it as if our Yeshiva sort of melded in from, from Volozhin, it, it's, it's not true. Um, in terms of the institution, yes. In the terms of a Makom, yes. But the Siddur Yeshivas were extremely different. First of all, there was a shir in the afternoon that started in Brachis and ended in Nida. That was one. Two, the, um, most of the Olam, everyone learned their own Masechda. Going to the shir was um, voluntary, and most people would learn on their own. And, and as when you came to Volozhin, they, the Gabbai would ask you, what Mesechte do you want to learn? You would tell him, and he would bring you that Mesechte. Remember, in those days, Shasim were extremely expensive, and Bimela, um, there were no, there were towns that did not have a complete Shas, and uh, and this changed it. They actually had a special printing for it. So everybody would be learning, most people would be learning their own Mesechtes. They would have a pace of how, how fast to learn, and Lamaisa, 
the um, in the morning they're supposed to make ayin like five blood, in the afternoon they're supposed to learn six blood a week, and that's how they learned. What was in it? So tachlis, in what sense was it a yeshiva? First of all, there was a kol Torah, and there were a lot of people sitting and learning together. Tremendous, with, with, with tremendous hasmada, that was one. Two, the Rosh Hashiva would come down and he would walk and people would ask him questions on whatever Masech they were learning. Uh, Rosh Hashiva had to know Shas, basically, to be able to answer everybody. That, that was the signal over there. Um, he opened the yeshiva. He, he was able to um, get Talmidim. He opened it in 1803. Now, there was another event that coincided with 1803. Possibly the reason why he um, the reason why he opened it. We spoke last time about the Tsar swallowing up all these countries. He gave the Tsar made all sorts of takanis for the Jews, and one of the takanis was that they could have their own schools. So, so it was a time. Normally, things were very restricted. They did give they did give some sort of loophole that allowed for the founding of, of schools. It may have been that was a reason. Al Kapanim, he himself um, opened the yeshiva. He was the Rosh Hashiva, and he was nifter in 1820. He had about a hundred talmidim when he was nifter, and the yeshiva was considered to be very successful. In the sense, it, was, it created a large body of people sitting on Rasmada, and many of them actually going on to take on positions that were hushiv. In the end, it, it lasted in, in almost 100 years, uh, 90 years or so. Uh, it, it, Lemaisa, anybody hushiv kimat went through Volozhin, but the, it was probably the other way around. There was anyone hushiv went to Volozhin to learn. That was the place to learn. So basically, he wanted Dibuk Haverim, Asmada, and a Shimush of Arav to have that people would have a Rosh Hashiva to look up to and to learn from. He himself wrote Sfarim. Um, most of the Sfarim he didn't really care for. He wasn't so, he put out Shuvah Sefer, he had Chidushim that were burnt, and he didn't really pay attention. The only Sefer that he really cared about was Nefshachayim. We'll speak about that later when we talk about Reb Chaim Volaj per se. His son Reb Itzalit took over um, when he was Nifta, and that set into motion the idea of continuity, of, of having a, a Rosh Hashiva take over from his father and so on. And he brought it up to 200 Talmidim. Um, he was Nifta in 1849. The, now, <laughs> Reb Itzala himself was an Adam Gadol He stands a bit in his father's shadow, but he was of his father's cut in many ways, and people saw it that way. People readily accepted him as a Mamshich. He was considered to be an Adam Gadol as a, of his father's stature. Reb Itzala Volozhin, in his days, in, in, the, um, in the 1840s, they started having Xeris. The Tsar took an unnatural interest in the Jews, and they started the Xeris. Kantanistan came in his time. Xeris about education and v'chula, v'chula, v'chula. We'll talk about that in a minute. And Reb Itzala was key in being involved with um, other Gedola Yisrael at Asifis and so on in, in trying to either answer. The Tsar would call an Asifa 
and they would have to try in, in the most diplomatically possible to explain why the real, really what the Tsar wants is something else. And Bechulu, uh, Bechulu, Bechulu, but he was him and um, the Tzemar Tzedek was, was, used to come there and, and it was, there was a, um, he was very, he, he was involved in a lot of public stuff. He died in 1849 and the first beginning of problems started because it wasn't clear who would take over. What would happen in Volozhin was, first of all, they had a Rosh Hashiva and they had an assistant to the Rosh Hashiva. And the assistant would help the Rosh Hashiva. The, the descendants, it wasn't clear, he, his son did not take over, so it was a question of having son-in-laws. Once you have son-in-laws, the question is, which one, how far back do you go? Bechulu, bechulu, bechulu. Um, for a short while, there was Freed, Les Yudah Freed, Eliezer Freed, Eliezer Yitzhak, sorry. And it was a short Kufa, and then the second big personality to take over, who is probably most identified with Volozhin, is the Nitziv took over afterwards. Nitziv was married to, uh, uh, he was Revitzel as a son-in-law, and he basically, you know, he'd married Chaim Volozhin's grandson, and he became Rosh the granddaughter, and he became Rosh Hashiva. Um, it, there were other people who proposed their candidacy, and there were all sorts of issues, machloikis, tainus. It was not clear who would be the who is the one that should be royal. Most famous is in the Torah he had with, uh, with the Beis Halevi, a lot written about it. Um, Talmidim also were involved, and some of the problems that came up in Volozhin were as follows. First of all, Talmidim um, got, were very involved. They felt they were they felt they were old, and they took sides. Never, never a very good matzav, but they got involved and stoked the fires a lot. That was one problem in Volozhin, and it would continue to be a problem. Secondly, this was a time when in Volozhin, when in, the, in Europe, there was the beginning of a lot of movements. Chovetzian um, movements, Haskola movements. The Hashkochen the, the Yeshiva was limited to people who should be sitting and learning during Starim. And basically, there were things they shouldn't be doing, should be doing. But Bachem ran their own lives. There were little groups of Chovetzion supporters. Nestiona was a group. Um, there was all sorts of Haskola groups. There were a lot of small groups of people doing their own thing. Some of which was sort of quite outrageous. And um, there is a collection of memoirs written by Yeshiva Bachrim, um, also an academic thing. And by nature, those those are those works tend to be masculinic. Rebbein Kotler didn't write memoirs. The people wrote memoirs, but Erechlal were were of a different cut. So you do get a certain bias flavor, but. Lamashal, somebody named Berdyshevsky, who was a became later a very great secular writer and so on, and totally secular, wrote um, notes about the mysterious Nefshir Bachram reading Haskola works and knowing that if they get caught they'll be thrown out and the, the lens they have to go to and so on and so forth. It's quite astounding that somebody sat in yeshiva and was was undermining yeshiva the, and and uh, that was that those were two problems. 
that were endemic within the yeshiva. A three, there was no clear line of succession. The Bachrim were very involved in the politics. And the Bachrim also, there was all sorts of undercurrents of, of things going on. There were Shalik Sijan. And some of these Bachrim were Masmidim, but the days were gone and, and that was how it went. The next part of it was, and this was a tragic piece, the um, there were the Maskilim were not happy. They wanted to change Kal Yisrael. They tried doing it by establishing their own schools. Their own schools were, their own high schools, their own seminaries were abject failures by all standards. A club. Their rabbinic seminars were, were horrible disasters in every in every prat, uh, Yiddishkeit for sure, and even academically. So they wanted the government to force Volozhin to do what they want, and they were not above mastering the government. They kept going to the government, telling them that you know that they need to to make drastic changes because they're growing up fanatic people. And somebody actually tried to incriminate the Nitziv that he forged stuff. He he wrote a letter with the Nitziv's handwriting. Tried to write in his handwriting. That, that he's getting money from England and he is, you know, 100,000 sterling wrong here, 100,000 pounds there, and and then he gave it to the police. And he was interrogated in Nitziv, it came out clean. It was, you know, they, they, after, after interrogating him, they realized Chekhov but but that was where Talmidim stooped to. Unfortunately, it had many, many problems. Um, on the other hand, the learning in the in Dasmada was incredible. They used to have mishmaras to learn all day, you know, all day and all night. The Nitziv himself used to give a chumash every day. This was a Masora start of Chaim Volozhin. Yet when the when the, when the yeshiva was located in in the, in the in the shul uh, of the community, Rabbi Itzala continued it, and the Nitziv said it. This is where Hemek Dava comes from. And it was in, incredibly, the positive side of Olaja was incredible. And um, all the Gdolia's role of that Kufa all learned in Olaja. This was the place for anybody who wanted to learn and was a Valkishan could learn. The, um, the, the end of Olaja came, unfortunately. Now, there was a before the end, one other thing happened. Um, Reb Chaim Briska married into the family. He married a granddaughter of Nitziv. One of the one of the fascinating twists of, of, of history of Ashkocha, and he became part of the yeshiva, and he Lemaisa, if he was there um, from 1880 onwards, and in those years, his derech halimut conquered the place. The the, the Bachram were enamored with it. Most of them were, were extremely taken by it. I mean, you know, it was a Chaim, and Lemaisa. Those dozen years or so that he was there created that change, uh, uh, that new derech and learning. Nitziv himself was not particularly into it. Nitziv himself was old school, um, but Lemaisa, um, Reb Chaim introduced it. In the at the in the 1890s, in the 1880s, 90s, the, the Zark, they kept on making new and new takanis. As long as nobody was paying attention. Basically, they wanted they should be Lemuria Chol there, so they had a class. The Nitziv himself, his hashkafa about Lemuria Chol was more ambivalent. A, he felt that a yeshiva should not have Lemuria Chol. 
He felt you can't become a Godel Batera if you learn Lemuri Chol. But he felt there was something to it. He felt that the teachers were terrible teachers, that they were, that the Maskilim were, were, were out. So he rather took Gaisha teachers and basically told them to, you know, leave theology back, you know, and to teach Russian. And he felt, you know, as, as so they did have, quote unquote, classes in a different room with a dozen Bachrim who, you know, they, they, they fun-footed along. And then the Tziv himself, like I said, he wasn't fundamentally opposed to the Agvia, but he was opposed that Yeshiva should have it. He, he also felt you, it's, it's for somebody who doesn't want it, who's not Tarosim Nasa, it's not bad. He felt that the, the teachers are a terrible problem. You have to get kosher teachers. That was his, he writes it, and he has this true Vajadala. Lemaisa, the, the insiders, the, you know, it, 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 the, the people who were Lahashmed Laharug, the Yidnu Lahashmed Laharug, they, they kept on mastering that, you know, it's not going well, and the government wrote in. They, they sent them Xera the following. The Yeshiva, they can they must have until three o'clock in the afternoon Lemudichol. They can't have more than ten hours uh, uh, learning. Uh, at night there's not to be any learning. The teachers who teach in the in the Yeshiva all have to have diplomas. Basically, they shut down the Yeshiva. There was nothing to do. And in 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 eighteen ninety-two they closed down the Yeshiva. Um, it was it was a devastating blow to the Nitziv personally, and it was it I mean it closed Volozhin. Volozhin had a small kiyum because somebody named Brodsky, who was a big uh, sugar merchant, wealthy man, had was miyasa the kolal of Yungalite to learn there. He gave them five years of a very very large stipend. They were not part of the yeshiva officially. They were sort of part of the yeshiva. They were allowed to stay because they had nothing to do with the school per se, and they stayed around. The yeshiva opened up later. Uh, they were able to sort of wiggle it out again, but that was it. The bacham had left, and many, many other yeshivas grew on the cheshbon of, of uh, the bacham went to everywhere else, Abotka, um, Demir, and, and so on. But it dissolved. I mean, that was the end of Volozhin. And afterwards, it was a, t- a tiny place, never grew more than 50, 60, 70 people under the Shapiros, of high Walkin. But it, w- it was nothing. It, w- it, was a, it was a shadow of itself. A little bit about the personalities involved. Um, the two great figures that we have, uh, the three great figures, are Reb Chaim Volozhin, uh, the, the, the Netziv, and Reb Chaim Briska. They were the three huge figures in, in Volozhin, and there we, we should spend a few minutes talking about each one. Reb Chaim Volozhin was the Goyen's Talmud Mufak. Um, he, for us, he serves as a bridge to the Vilna Goyen. We have no shaykhs on Zen of Vilna Goyen. We, we have no shaykhs to measure his greatness, his anhogis. It, it's, it's, it's presumptuous for anybody to say things about the Goyen. Reb Chaim was his Talmud Muvuk, and Reb Chaim was the person who spoke in Pshat. Reb Chaim spoke for us, and the things that he writes about the Goyen are the most reliable ones. His stories, maybe we'll have time, I, I don't know where or when, we'll, we'll, I mean, I photocopied his introduction to the Goyen's period on Safir at Sneasa, where he writes about the Goyen, and, his, and, and, and these, these Reb Chaim Volozhin's stories about the Goyen are, are, are the best we have. 90% of the stories are about his Igiyas Atayra. 
there's only one Mephis there uh, that has to do with the Gears and but that's it. His stories are all about how hard he worked to be Ayman Allah Emes. Rebchaim Voloshin himself was a Baal Pshat, and he was, he, and like I said before, his Shurim, he said Shurim, didn't bother, he wrote it down, it was burnt, he didn't pay much attention to it. He saw his life's work as the yeshiva and in Nefesh Achayim. On his deathbed, he was Mitzavah, his son, make sure the yeshiva continues and make sure to publish Nefesh Achayim. Nefesh Achayim is a fascinating sefer. It's the, it's the answer, I'll pee, let's call it Pneumius of Taira, for the Litvisha world vis-a-vis the Chassidisha world. It's the only articulated argument as opposed to Haramim and Klolis and, you know, Pachkevillin of sorts. He wrote a sefer that's Hashkafas Yisait vis-a-vis Kabbalah and Pneumius of Taira. And the three, um, and the three things, he, he has three Prokin plus another un, un, um, unnumbered Perik. And basically, those three prokim are really the three big arguments against what he felt Hasidus might be mistaken for or whatever. First of all, his first parak he writes, his main point is kavanis are wonderful, but the mitzvah starts with a maisa mitzvah. If you fudge a maisa mitzvah, you have zero. If you fudge kavanis, you have a maisa mitzvah, but you don't have it b'shleimus. That was vis-a-vis the Chassidim and the tightness of, um, you know, of of uh, having a, um, you know, of, of the Kavodah being most important. He said, Pneumius Torah is a quality in Torah, but the real, but Torah itself is, is Nigla. And learning Halacha and being Mekayim Halacha is, is the absolute synchronon of Yiddishkeit. Without that, nothing starts. Anything above that is a Teisefes Bracha. But that's it. And therefore, to reverse it and to learn Musr or Pneumius or whatever you want to call it, or Kabbalah, and not learn Halacha is worthless. And to do mitzvahs with tremendous kavanas, but to mess up on the Zman and so on and so forth is worthless. That's Aleph. Bez, the concept of HaKadosh Baruch is to be found everywhere. Again, he's, he's, he, he, he's, he's addressing a mistake where you can sit and do Shtusim Vavolim and say is everywhere and everything. And he basically says, yes, HaKadosh everywhere, but he's not everywhere for us. And there's Mekoymis Betunofis, and there's Mekoymis of Kedusha, and we need to look at things through our eyes. And, and things that are good are good. Other things, as far as we're concerned, HaKadosh is not there for us. Basically, that's the bottom line. A third topic he addresses very strongly is that learning Torah Lishma doesn't mean not enjoying the learning and lear- learning and enjoying it is very much part and parcel of Torah and chas v'shalom that you learn Torah as a religious ecstasy of Tveikas. Those are the three main points that he makes in the Sefer which is there to counter the argument of the Chassidim. He, 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 he builds up a Hashkafa using Mekairis of Kabbalah they can be understood on a fairly Pashat level so that it can be a handbook for anybody, a sort of in a certain sense parallel to the Tanya, a handbook for people to understand a picture of Eres Hashem, I'll be a certain premius. It also, he also defines some very deep things, but the Sefer on its face of it is, is a Sefer written for anyone who is a Ben and so on and so forth. 
Um, in his personal, in, in his personal interaction with Hasidim, um, somebody there was a Hasidic Shabbat who learned in Volozhin al Chabad. I mean, the Hasidic Shabbat that called Chabad because that was the Hasidus here. Um, they were actually kapust, not 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 Lubavitch, but kapust. He was amazed. He said, Reb Chaim is very mekarvich Hasidic Shabbatim. Um, he welcomes them. He sometimes schmoozes with them in Chassidus. He asks them. He said he just doesn't talk about the Goyen's Chayim. It's as if it never existed. And Rabbi used to learn this for him. And that's what he writes. And, and historically, we, we accept that the Chayim is not the Goyen now because of Chayim. What he understood, why he understood, uh, we don't know. Anything is a guess, uh, anything is a guess to say about that. So Reb Chaim Volozhin gave us the Yeshiva. He was the mamshik of the Goyen's Derech in Pshat. Um, his, he was Mekubal as, the, as, as a, a Godlador. His Nefesh Achayim has become the basis for our, the way we look at, 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 at the relationship of Pnimis of Torah, of, of Nister, vis-a-vis Nigla. It's interesting, in the Yeshiva itself, there was no learning of Kabbalah and Dizinyanim, but many of the, of the Chshuvim did learn it. It was considered always something to be learned quietly, something not to be talked about in public, and so on and so forth. He's the first one, so he's the, the first one to to be, you know, the first personality that established uh, Volazhin. The Nitziv had Volazhin under his tutelage the most. The Nitziv is the one that's, uh, that, that was the Rosh Hashiva when you had many, many other, all the Leydic Dolem that we know of learned by the Nitziv. Nitziv himself, his derech was a pshat. Nitziv himself has the many stories about him that he wasn't born about Kishin. Those are true things. His hasmother was incredible. His avas was incredible. Um, it is a story where he once had a, a, a dis- he once spoke a learning with Reb Chaim Briska, and he told Reb Chaim he, 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 at three in the morning he called Reb Chaim to to tell him he found the terrets. Reb Chaim Briska came and he apologized. He was late because he had to wash the tzedayim when he got up and make birchas and make birchas hatorah. The tziv was was horrified and he said, "I never thought I'd have a grandson who at three in the morning was sleeping already." Nitziv's um, mother was incredible. His farim, his first sefer was an incredible sefer. Um, on on Shiltis or Bahaigo, which nobody used to learn. It's 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 one of the primary farm of the Goyen and uh, of the Goyenim, not the Goyen, the Goyenim. And he wrote uh, Hemek Shaila on it, which is a classic, uh, an incredible work. His later volumes that he put out, he also compared different gear soils. But his derech was pshat. You see it. You see it in his in his in his hemic, uh, in his his hemic davar on chumish. He was also a little more noita. He was involved in 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 chibastion to some degree. He felt positive about being about his yashrat Yisrael. Like we said before, his his general hashkafa on on limude chol was. In the right context, in the right place, with the right people, it's something that has value to itself. But again, he was very strong that in the yeshiva tzachorim, he was not not everyone agreed with him. But that was the that was the netziv's, uh, you know, that's what the netziv felt. Part of the netziv's, part of the makabe patish of how the yeshiva fell apart was 
when he, the Siv started getting old and he felt he can't take, he can't control the yeshiva, he took in his son Reb Chaim Belin, was Rav in, Ma, in Moscow, to help him to become the future of yeshiva. Talmidim got very involved. They felt Reb Chaim Belin is very frum, too frum for them, fanatic, and they mastered to the government. That started the whole. People didn't have the ha'azah to say to the Nitziv, about the Nitziv, but Reb Chaim Belin, that's when, the, that's when it exploded, and that's brought the ship down, basically. The third one was Reb Chaim Briska, who, even though the Mahalach in, in Volozhin was very pshad oriented, learning all the Masechtas, knowing them, chazing them, they had very interesting stories. They would learn five blad be'ion, six blad be'kiyas, and they would learn all the rush on the Yanim on Fridays, and you know, it was very different than we would have in our yeshivas. Reb Chaim Briska changed radically in those dozen years. He he changed the direction of the learning. There were some people who completely became, you know, mishubit. They went with his derech, like like Reb Ochber, like Reb Lachanan, like uh, like uh, Reb Shimon. We spoke about. Chaska Bramsky was there for short kufa and so on. They they were all they took on his derech. There were some, there were others who sort of wove in his derech, like um, Reb Chaim Moise. Reb Chaim Moise understood it. Reb Chaim Moise, you know, has has it, but he also was a little bit weary of it. But like upon him, that that revolution happened in those dozen years, really, when the the, the Rosh Hashivas of next generation would become Talmud Reb Chaim Briska. Volozhin resisted introducing the Muslim movement as a movement. And again, the, the Nitziv said Divrei Agada in his Chumashir. They, they spoke occasionally, but, but learning Musa the way that the Balin Musa envisioned it, they were, they were very, very, they, they did not like it, and they resisted it. There are a lot of famous Vertlach that Reb Chaim Briska answered that, you know, you know, medication is good for people not well. Baruch Hashem, Volozhin were all well and healthy, and so on and so forth. And it resisted. Once Volozhin closed and other yeshivas opened up, within a short time, basically, um, Musa was introduced in almost all yeshivas with the mashkiach and everything. We'll speak about that more when we get to Slabotka and so on. So, I guess summing up a few things. First of all, Volozhin was the first understanding that yeshivas need to be a world unto their own. They're not just another branch of a community. The idea of a rabbin being mechazik each other was very important. Another element that Reb Chaim Volozhin introduced um, was as follows. People used to eat tag. The community supported you and it was the generosity of the community. And let's say a Rav a, a, a became a Rav in a, in a nice community part of his salary was they would support 10 yeshiva bachrim. The support yeshiva bachrim was they would be housed voluntarily, they'd be fed in a different house every day. It was degrading, it was stuckadik. The balabas looked like he's doing you a favor. He used to make the worst meal. You ended up eating leftovers five times a week. It was a bracha, they could have leftovers five times a week. And it always was on yeshiva bachrim's days. He was always looked upon, you're taking the bread away from our kids. Who wants you? There was a lot, it was degrading. He reversed it by collecting money and paying people to cook for the Bachrim. The Bachrim became the kings. They were the ones that people vied for. They were paid for it and so on and so forth. 
So the Kvaidish Altaira also increased dramatically with Reb Chaim Volozhin. Reb Chaim Volozhin instituted the, the, the mindset of raising finances, raising money for yeshivas. He sent out shluchim, shluchim rabbanans. It became a whole mindset in its own right. That was, that was um, part of it. So he established the idea of having a tziba together. The idea of Olamatura being an Olamatura. He wrote the Sefer Nefeshachayim, which became a certain Hashkafiya side of the Litvish world vis a vis the Chsidish world. Um, his, his, um, the Nitziv who took over you know, after one or two others, the Nitziv himself um, finalized the way the way Velazhin worked. Um, he himself brought to us. Um, a, 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 the, the, first of all, he brought the works of Gaonim into into the light. His his, his Hemek Shaila did that. His Hemek Dover is a classic. His Tzura, everything about him, a certain a certain mildness, a certain Ma'or of Mabrias. The Ruach of Asmada was brought in by the Netziv even more. And Reb Chaim Briska finally introduced the Halimut, which took off from him afterwards. The evolution also, unfortunately, brought out some of the latent problems in a Maisid, and those problems became, um, unfortunately, part and parcel of a Maisid. How much do you have a right to look after the Bachram, to see what they're doing, to throw out somebody who can affect other people? Um, how, how do you ensure continuity um, when, when change happens? Um, all of those things were were things that once something went from being personal to being institution, it needed to be addressed. But so definitely, Velazhin was the first floor of the yeshiva world as we know it today, and its and and its second floor was probably laid by Slabatka, which we'll speak about uh, day after tomorrow. Mr. Shem. Any questions? Any points? Tomorrow, Slabatka. I'm sorry. Any. Yes. When, when, when did the, the focus on Noshim Mazik and Yushushim Sechtis begin? Was that already with time, or was that a function of his Mahalach being more applicable to those Sechtis, like the Rav said earlier? I, 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 believe, I, I believe it was not in Belazhin. But it, 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 I mean, I don't know what Rav Chaim, I mean, I assume he learned everybody else, you know, whatever. I, I don't know exactly what. But it 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 came once the other yeshiva started started coming prominence. My hashara is probably through Slabotka, where Moshe Mordechai became the Magid Shir, and the Alta was the one that was Kaveya Atsura, and and that's where it became a lot more. I, I, it, it's it, it's more the standard of yeshivas we know today, with a focus on Noshim Mizikin. That's that's my sense. In Volashen, we don't find any of that. Volashen learning straight was the norm. That was the way they always learned. Um, and there was Reb Chaim had people. He had people that that thought that the Der Halimut is strange, and 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 so on. They they wrote about it, but the Maisa, it, it the, the, the the best and the brightest Reb Zalman, the best and the brightest were, were taken in by it. But 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 it was it was a norm. It, it said it was normal. In other words. It made sense. It, ma it made sense because you can't say the Torah you say in Russian physique 
in 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 um, in Beitza and you can't say and the idea was to I think it sort of followed because it made sense and and once there was a certain surah how to do it that that what? So, first of all, there was no other yeshiva. One. Two. The later yeshivas, they had a mashgiach. And part of mashgiach's job was to, to not allow anything like it. In other words, the Lodzman was open house, basically. It was like Lahavlov Abol's University in that sense. You have very much people sitting and learning. You don't tell them what to do. And, and there was there was the Musa the part of when people speak against Musa, nobody nobody feels nobody's against Yerushalayim. But part of the Musa movement was this control over the yeshiva. And and if somebody is perceived as being a rotten apple, you show them the door. They didn't happen at Voloshin. You, you, you know, some of the some of the less pleasant things, like checking people's books and what they're reading and where it's coming into the yeshiva, and and and, and what people are looking at. That, that was part of the Muslim movement, of, of the movement as a movement, and it was not a Voloshin. That's one. Two. I don't think part of what Musa did was it offered a certain world perspective, especially yeshiva like. Slabotka, um, Mir, Abiruchim, Kel, Nevardik. There was a certain section where you learned about what the world is about and what you're going to do and things like that. It filled the Bachel, it filled necessary places. In, in, in Voloshim, you sat to learn, but to talk about life and the world and, and what's good and what's bad, that you had to read a book for. It wasn't there in Voloshin. So I think that that was part of what the Muslim movement replaced. It was more than just saying you should be a good person. The good mashkichim gave you a certain broader perspective on life, which filled that void that was there. And what we call Ashkafa today, but but those days was more about what's the right, what's the good, why is the world so rotten, and, and what are people about, and, and how does a person be a good person. Things of that nature, it, it didn't it didn't exist. The, the, I mean, the, 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 in, in Belarusian, and I think that was part of the of the issues. What? Did Siv never thought to, never thought to introduce it? Didn't Siv spoke about it? Siv has ideas in Chumash, but it never it, it, it never became the focal point. In, in, in Slapatka, Nevada, Kelm, Rabbi Ruchem, Rehum Shmuz was the focal point of the week, and people were in awe of, of, of his understanding of things. Slapatka, the Alta Shmuz was the highlight, and, and his understanding of life, and, and so on. All of these things um, happened later on. In, in, in Voloshin, the Ritzivs was a beautiful commission. People liked it, but that was it. It, it. it was not, it didn't have that standing. And that probably was one of the reasons for it. Did they learn in Voloshin? Did they learn in an older Muslim Did they learn Mishlein? There was no official Muslim say that. So there was Bena A guy writes between two to four was was, was Bena in Yeshiva. And from Bachrim would look at more Rishayim and Chuvas Farim, and other Bachrim would learn Haskalas Farim. 
that's what a guy writes like his, his memoir. Again, these are memoirs. So somebody, there was no, there was no seder for it. So if somebody had an idea that he wanted to learn, he could learn it. Somebody needed to rush or somebody was interested. It, it was not seen as being an important part of the day's learning. For simple balabatim, yes, chayvus em was important. I give God the. It was seen as not being important. Yes, correct, hundred percent. Like a dress, you know. It, 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 it wasn't that they they didn't hold it to be good. They just didn't feel it needed to be. Can we assume that all the machines she learned that? You can't assume anything. I mean, it's, it was basically the shita was, if somebody suffering from gaiva, you send them to learn musa. You know that. I don't think anybody learns. So Reb Chaim Lozha was very different. Reb Chaim Lozha learned because learned Tanakh. Reb Chaim Lozha learned Tanakh. Reb Chaim Lozha wrote they should learn Tanakh with Rashi or that. Reb Chaim Lozha was a collector called the Gid, like 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 the Goyim. So Tanakh is, is according to Moshe, this is part of Torah. Well, I have a riot to go and learn Mishnah because he wrote a Pirush on it. It's not the stuff he would have written the Pirush without learning it. So. It, 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 it didn't, it wasn't, it, it was not, you know, in that world. The guy, in fact, the guy learned Diktuk, and so did Chaim Balazs and no Diktuk, and so did the Nitziv. But, but, but in the, and other, that was part of the Goyen's Chidoshim. By everybody else, Gemara Paiskin was the Iker. And that was it, you know. You, you, you learned Chomish when you were a kid. If you were smart, you start learning Mishnah and Gemara. And, and that's it. That people learned it a tremendous amount. I mean, 11 blood a week is an accomplishment. And you could be tested on blood a week. Um, you know, it, it was. So, in, 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 first of all, they all write which menace their parents. There's no, there's no say for the only thing that I've seen, Reb Chaim Velozhin has an oris on Maise Rav. He says that Maise Rav is, is, is true, and two places he says it's common mistakes that people made about the Goyen, Shvachachon Shivchach, and something else. That was, that was Reb Chaim's... What? Zecher and Zecher. also right. Those are the two areas where he disagrees with the Sefer. How, how many could he said he also said he's not sure maybe they're different kufis in the guy but upon him he argues on that in Kabbalah I'm not aware that any of the Talmudim argued with him I'm not aware that he you know I'm not aware that there was any he, he really he, there was no interaction first Talmudim were Yechidim so what is Hasidim made the argument the Babish Hasidim made the argument that the Nefesh is a Misunderstood the guy Shita in Kabbalah sometimes. Is that a credible argument? It's very hard how somebody who was not part of the Goyen's Cheda and never learned the Goyen after Chaim Velozhin and probably didn't, doesn't know what the Goyen said to make that argument. They say something, Rebchaim Velozhin says something that's strange, and again, it's clearly not understood correctly. It, it's clearly, he clearly means something a little different, and that's how most people understand it. Nobody today. Let me explain something to you. All, all of those machloikas are in basics, and it doesn't make sense. It makes a lot more sense. Let me give you an example. Everyone holds, I don't think the Baltanya holds, that if you do a mitzvah with kavana, but you don't do it halachli proper, that, that you have something out of it. I don't think so. But, but Lemaise, um, half a kilometer. But Lemaise, he, um, the, the point, 
the point is the the point is that um, there was an emphasis when you talk and you say dominating without kavan is worthless. Do you take that kipshutoi or, or, or do you say this aflaga? So the chassidim took that kipshutoi. Rav Chaim Velozha said chas v'shalom, but but they both meant the same thing with simsu. You said kachbaruch was everywhere. So if that means that I can gamble the casino, and since Hakadosh Baruch Hu is here, I'm davening on Hakadosh Baruch Hu. That's trade. But if you say Hakadosh Baruch Hu is not in the business place, and I can do what I want, in my business place, and I, and and Hakadosh Baruch Hu is in the base medrash, that's also trade. So if you look at it, they were both dealing with extremes. It, it can't be there's a machloekus if Hakadosh Baruch Hu is everywhere. If Simpson means this, that none of these things are so basic. That the that Kashbrok made a place where it doesn't exist, Hashem, there's no such thing. But the question was, do you look how do you look at it? Do you tell people it's up to you or do you tell people everything is your So it depends on the person. If you tell people if a guy was whether Simpson was what? I thought the question was whether Simpson was a reality or something. No one can hold that it's a reality in the sense that there is no what does it mean? What does those words mean? He's not there. He doesn't occupy place. None, none of that stuff. You know, Ramos Shapiro told me adamantly. You know, and nobody in the area feels that there's any machlokes in any. You know, you you, you you can make those statements. At the time, they felt it wasn't They felt because the way people the way people understood it that caused the problem. Like I tell you, if 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 a person comes along to you. And he gives a big check for tzedakah, and he feels very, very stuck up about himself. And he says, you know, Baruch Hashem, the Torah is there because of me and my, and my check. So you put your arm around him, you say, my kin, it's Yerubayin You're a pawn in Yerubayin hands, but it's so you Now, I come along, the Roshiva comes to me and asks me for money. I say, you know, it's Yerubayin who gives the money. And, and go to Yerubayin and if he wants me to be a pawn, I'll be a pawn. So you tell him, Bechot Tzotoli Adova. So which is right? It depends, you know, when, when you're using it together. This is a dog yet from Veloshna. <laughs> so, 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 so somebody will say, I said clearly it's all told you and not to everybody show. <laughs> it depends where you, where you apply it, where you use those arguments. But there is a on the neutral dog. So in the middle, which one's, which is the, so the, the, the dog is out. So what do you say in the Musa They tell people how wonderful learning is. They tell people how wonderful chesed is, you know. Whoa, look at these houses. This is like Swiss chalets. <laughs> oh, wow.